3. Daleks, the Third Wise Man It was in the first year of the Time War, though we did not call it that at the time. We were not to know what it would become. Indeed, it was only much later that we realised it would be a war at all. For too long we believed it a simple series of skirmishes, similar to the clashes along the raw border of the time field separating us from the wretched and primitive races of the universe. It was in those patrols that I gained my captaincy, piloting one of our few battle TARDISes against the aliens foolish enough to seek our technology, or those who simply blundered into the constellation of Casturbarus and the Seven Systems, our home. We Time Lords are jealous of our secrets. We must be. We do not seek to preserve our way of life simply for ourselves. We do it because only we are advanced enough to wield the power that we do. Anything else would be catastrophe. I'm convinced of it, even now, as the younger race's awe of us has been lost and our enemies hammer at our doors. In a way, that is what this entire war has been about. The Daleks came for us in that first year, and we did not see it as war. We saw it as pest control. They amassed in their millions, and rather than face them as equals on the battlefield, we simply detonated the nearest star and consumed their entire fleet in fire. Such was our power. Such was our arrogance. War is poison. We wish to demonstrate this to the Daleks, to sicken them with might, dissuade them from challenging us. There are battlefields on Gallifrey from before the Stellar Age, where the fighting was so fierce that the ground ran with blood and the soil was sown with arrowheads like seeds. There are places war has poisoned so completely that nothing will ever grow again. Shock and awe. Those were our watchwords in that first year, when we were buoyed and comforted by knowing that we were the most superior, that we were better defended and that, at the end of it all, we simply had more time to respond than any other race. We did not understand our enemy. For all our knowledge, we knew nothing. The Daleks were indefatigable. They were remorseless. Everything we did, every attempt to scare or reason with or deter them was met with the pathological, twitching hatred with which they draw every breath. We learned this after Spiral Furl, when Harlan Castellos turned the death of his TARDIS into an electromagnetic extinction event and Daleks fell from the sky like hail. We learned it after the first volleys of the Anything Gun crumpled space-time like fire-consuming parchment. We learned it as battle overturned the universe like a child raking dirt, and the lesser races squirmed and died like worms exposed in our wake. You cannot intimidate a Dalek. You cannot frighten them. I will speak now of the Nightmare Child. It was supposed to be a small battle. There had been silence along many fronts for weeks now, and there was hope blooming on Gallifrey that perhaps the new generation of battle TARDISes had proven our superiority. There were those on the High Council who still believed that the attacks were simply Daleks being Daleks and not steps on the way to all-out war. One more battle, 
they counselled. One more crushing defeat, and the little monsters would flee. I was in the Scavaline system, investigating some intercepted Dalek communications. My own TARDIS led a strike force. Even then the military language felt strange to me, of a hundred recently grown battleships. Scavaline's star was a white dwarf struggling against its own weight to stay in the heavens. I remember wondering, as we emerged in the system, whether any of the planets had ever been inhabited. Curiosity was not a trait that the Time Lords ever encouraged. What need had we for it? Everything in the cosmos was there, waiting, every time, every moment, and we could observe it all as completely as we desired. All ships are in system, my Lieutenant Orlock murmured at my side. Awaiting orders. We were not a warrior people. We had never had to be. Belligerence had gone the way of curiosity, because all of time and space was ours. Our tiny contingent of warships, of which I commanded a significant portion, were stretched thin across space, and many were still adolescent and untested. No TARDIS takes to war with relish. I knew it pained some of those under my command. TARDISes were not ships, were not dumb beasts of burden or mere transports across the heavens. They were our allies and our compatriots, and we did them a disservice. I mourn them still. We inched through the Scavaline system, scanners at maximum. General practice during manoeuvres in uncivilised space was to take the form of ships designed by lesser races, a way to hide our own advancement or a tactic to create confusion in our enemies. A competent commander can make much use of a moment's hesitation. For a Time Lord, a moment is an eternity. However, such tactics fared abysmally against these new, frenzied Daleks. The simplicity that had once been a flaw in the Daleks became in war a hideous strength. They simply opened fire on every ship, no matter its origin. My own Type 94 had therefore taken the form of interstellar debris, a slowly spinning chunk of rock made pale and shimmering with ice. Its interior was designed after the manner of an old observatory, a spherical space with seats on gimbals so that my crew could swing from console to console, and myself on a central leather chair. The entire arrangement looked rather like the model of a solar system, with the console our gleaming silver sun. Scouts, I murmured, knowing my TARDIS would relay my words to every other ship in the fleet. Range forward, pattern nocturne. Pattern nocturne. Caution. The less armoured type 90s and 91s peeled off and dematerialised. Some ranged out into the system, rendered invisible by their chameleon circuits, and others darted into the time stream to scan the approaching seconds for peril. It may seem strange, the idea that our foes were not immediately detectable, but a star system is a gigantic place, even to craft such as ours. There are many ways to hide. Much of space warfare is not attacking or defending, but simply finding your enemy before they find you. Sir, this is Scout Circle 8, no sign in the system's western quadrant. Sir, Scout Circle 3 reporting, no Dalek presence five minutes from you now. Strange. There was a psychotic honesty about the Daleks. They never encrypted their communications, never used stealth, 
never fled from battle even against terrible odds. There was a desperate, crazed need to them, either something inherited from their mad creator or a behavioural side effect of being just a few tatters of flesh smeared over the trigger of a gun. That was why I took the risk I did, my fingers dancing over the communications relay that connected me to my fleet. Pattern daylight. Show yourselves so that we may draw them out and end this. Scout circles three and eight, loop back round and cover our retreat. Yes, sir. How far? A day. But be sure to stay hidden. Understood. Should we establish a position in the future as well? Negative, I responded. Not until I know what happened here. Not until I can be sure they're not waiting for us. Scavaline continued its turgid spin. I stretched in my chair, one eye on the scout's reports. The fleet hovered awkwardly on the system's edge. I could not help but check and recheck the space-time coordinates, though the idea of a TARDIS getting lost was ludicrous. As the long silence stretched, I began to stupidly hope that the High Council had been right. Maybe this war was no war. Maybe for once in their pitiful cyborg lives the Daleks had admitted that they were not the superior beings in the galaxy. Sir, we have something. Transmitting coordinates now. We are not the only race to have discovered time travel. Our battle to keep it so failed, a fact which is now even more painfully clear. But Time Lords were the first, and understanding time will always be as easy to us as breathing. My screens showed me two star systems, the mundane physical movement of planets and the swirling overlay of the time stream beneath. Physical and chronological movement, like a flower blooming in four dimensions at once. I could see the slow roll of asteroids from one moment to another and the bacteria-like scurry of life still clinging to a couple of distant worlds. The other TARDISes were like stars each one a flare of time energy skating towards us like stones across the top of a lake. They looked omnipotent, perfect, navigating the fabric of our universe so deftly that it was impossible to imagine anything laying them low. We followed the shining scouts as they led us into the shadow of a broken planet on the system's far edge. Something had dug into the world's crust, scoring a hole the size of a continent, Huge by planetary standards, big enough to hide a fleet of Daleks in, but minuscule on a stellar scale. That was where they were hiding. Clever. They were getting cleverer all the time. There, sir, Orlok said. For all our vaunted foresight, I had not anticipated this. I do not relish the death of my enemies, and it chilled me at the time to hear some lower crew members whoop across our shared communications it is unbecoming and seductive when dealing with such a terrible enemy to take pleasure in destroying them. My reaction upon seeing the debris was more akin to my TARDISes. They do not hate the Daleks. I believe, if such a thing is possible, that they weep for the marriage of flesh and metal the Daleks have created and the potential of such a symbiosis. No such symbiosis was possible now. Something had come upon these Daleks like a storm, tearing through them so completely that not a single fragment of their casings was left. Something had eviscerated them, 
cracked them open like crustaceans, the soft creatures within mercilessly flung to the void. Each rubbery, cycloptic tangle floated alone, stiff with interstellar frost. And floating serenely within that nebula of shredded Dalek was a small blue box. Picture again that battlefield on Gallifrey, the pocked earth, the ruined soil. Picture something that may have been handsome, may have been habitable, made monstrous by war. Know that those buried arrowheads will never be pulled free, that it will take a thousand years for anything to grow, and that some trace and fossil of the pain will linger forever. Ho, travellers, the renegade said. It was the first time I had seen that face. Warrior, doctor, president, failure. This old man had more names than he had faces, and it did not redeem him any in the eyes of Gallifrey that the Daleks hated him more than all of us put together. He stood grainy on my central screen, or maybe that was simply exhaustion deepening the trenches on his war-ravaged face. His TARDIS was a dim cave, starred by flickering gold. That can't be true, Orlok said behind me, quietly enough that my relay node would not transmit his words. I had patched in the other strike force captains, but the ability to respond was mine and mine alone. Orlok hovered behind me like a nursemaid, straining in his chair. I raised an eyebrow at him. The stories, I mean, they can't be true. Which ones? I asked quietly. All of them, Orlok said. I mean, look at it. It's a Type 40. I'm surprised it's even airborne. Is insulting the ship floating in a sea of dead Daleks considered a clever strategy? The renegade growled in a voice like a whetstone sharpening a blade. No wonder the war is going so well. Orlok flushed and I leaned forward. Then this is your handiwork, I said. You killed all these Daleks? I would have believed it. Old and creased and bent double with spite he may have been, in a barely running Type 40 that looked like an outhouse, but I would still have believed he had killed them all. I had heard the stories too. No, the renegade said. Not these Daleks. This wasn't me. I didn't bother asking him why he was there, if that was true. Asking the renegade anything was an exercise in futility. I had learned that from the High Council. He would arrive in his battered TARDIS to shore up beleaguered defences or pull off a devastating attack run or, most inexplicably, lead a defence of a world outside Time Lord's space. I had learned that, in the first months of the war, he had avoided conflict, only helping those non-competents who had no means of escape. But something more than his face had changed in the last few months. Suddenly, like a sad inverse echo of what was to come, defensive had become offensive, and a man who had once named himself Doctor had gone on the attack. Though the High Council sought to quell it, talk resounded around war rooms all across Gallifrey and space of missing Daleks, daring raids, and the old Type 40 at the heart of it all. There were darker rumours too. Rumours that only approached the devastation I saw here. But if he wasn't responsible... I have to ask, 
I was careful to ensure a neutral tone, aware that every other captain in the fleet was watching me. I had no desire to show support for someone who flouted our laws at this, a time of need. Loyalty to Gallifrey was all. If you did not do this, why are you here? There was soot on his jacket, darkening the greying tangle of his beard. I wondered if he had been in a battle recently or had simply stopped noticing. Just stopping by, he said. I gave him a calm smile. With respect, I said, navigating the pause where a sir might have been. It is a big universe. Are there civilians in this system you were helping to evacuate? Could we offer assistance? It was a jab, a calculated one. His mission to save civilians was well known. His eyes narrowed. Nice try, Commander, but no. I was brought here by a distress signal. Orlok spoke up. But there hasn't been any Time Lord activity in this system for... I shot Orlok a warning glance as the renegade smoothed his scarf down in irritation. Fourteen level three civilizations, eight level ones with potential to grow, and over eighteen billion different life forms that have evolved specifically to live in a star system being abandoned by its sun. The creatures here have never known light. Did you know that? His face crinkled. Of course you didn't. Of course you don't. Time Lords aren't the only ones who can send distress signals. This time Orlok remembered his discipline and looked to me to answer. So it was one of these races, these early creatures, that summoned you? The renegade's lips split in a grim smile. You offered to help, yes? Lights blinked across my console, a hundred captains offering their silent condemnation of this man, this renegade who flouted everything we held dear at a time when it was being so casually despoiled. I met the renegade's gaze. Yes, I did. Then follow me. There are deadly places in the universe. I do not mean the huge tracts of space from which life is absent, for those are many even before the Time War left vast stretches of the universe inimical to existence. But there are areas where the cosmos has turned on itself, where the ancient forces of gravity and physics and heat have conspired against each other to create a reflection of a mythical hell. The gates of Elysium is such a place. I struggle to describe it even now. The colours, migraine bright and shifting, as photons struggle like flies in amber, the antimatter cascade unfolding from black space like a waterfall, a purling tongue of unspace that murders the very atoms for a hundred light years in every direction. Something had gouged reality here, by accident or design, as far above the Time Lords as we were above the rest of the universe, and now raw unmaking bled from the saw like pus. There are no words, not even in old high Gallifreyan, a language built on a celestial scale. It looked... it looked like madness. Let us leave it at that. And above it hung a space station. That's impossible, Orlok said, as we materialised, our senses already shuddering at the unnatural sight. Antimatter undoes matter, that station should be destroyed. It can't just hang there. Oh, right, 
the renegade said across our relays. Well, that's that then, good to know. Our chameleon circuits disguised us as shimmering patches of black space or curls of icy dust, but his Type 40 just floated there, defiant against a setting of utter cosmic chaos. I wasn't sure if its chameleon circuit was broken or whether it and its pilot were just stubborn. That's a Dalek station, one of the scouts murmured unbidden over the comms. I had ordered them forward, their cloaking fields engaged. She was right. There was no mistaking that blunt, brutal architecture, that barbarous and aggressive design. It hung in space like a poisonous barb, fat with venom and arrogance, suspended impossibly over an infected wound in space. Doc, don't call me that, the renegade snapped, and for a moment I saw a terrible rage in his eyes, the rage that told me the only reason he had not killed those Daleks at Scavaline was because they had already been dead. That's not who I am. I understand, I said, surveying the glittering syringe of a space station. But the signal you received, the distress signal. This is what it was warning you about? This is the threat you came here to face? The renegade was staring at his own screens. I could see the glow of the punctured universe in his eyes. Not exactly, he said. Look, look at the outline of the station. It's Dalek made, yes, but look at the design. There's something different about it, something alien. And the outline here, it's blurring, as if in flux. Some kind of shield, Orlok offered, and the renegade's scowl deepened. I began to believe that he did not care very much for my lieutenant. Against antimatter, it would unmake the shield and then unmake the thing making the shield. It's antimatter. It antis matter. Do you need me to speak more slowly, or do you think you should just stop talking entirely? All of this was said in a monotone, without the renegade so much as taking his eyes off the screen. I wasn't sure if he was even aware he'd spoken. I ignored my lieutenant's glare to focus on the station itself. Staring at the gates pained me in a way that I was not entirely sure was physical. We Time Lords believe ourselves custodians, guardians of the cosmos. It is hard to see the universe tearing itself apart. The signal, I said. Where did it come from? You followed it here. Was it left by whatever killed the Daleks? Have they come here to finish the job? And should we be assisting? I didn't say it, but I knew the renegade understood. I'm approaching the station. In a Type 40, Orlok said, and the renegade gave him a withering glance before shutting down his comms. I turned to my crew, knowing as I did so that on 99 other TARDISes across the fleet, captains were waiting for my word. And just then, my personal comms crackled. To this day, I have no idea how he found my command channel. What do they tell you? He said in a voice only I could hear. In the academy, after they show you the schism, that horrible maelstrom of infinite moments, everything that ever can and ever will exist, and then put the controls of a TARDIS in your hand. He knew. He knew that. Every cadet did. There is only today, I said. Orlock, take us in. 
We approached the wound in space. Communications flurried as I gathered half the TARDISes into a war formation, an arrowhead of ships with shields extended, ready to burst apart like shrapnel into a dozen different time periods, and spun the rest out in a loose cluster between one second and the next, that tiny sliver between future and present. Weapons were readied, chronal torpedoes, chronic tripwires, ghost clusters and parallel beams, and living weapons that thought for themselves, and it was almost enough to make you believe in Time Lord superiority again. They should have attacked us. They should have swarmed like wasps from a kicked nest. We advanced, and my scanners began to pick out individual Daleks, a hundred thousand, more, looping round the station in glittering lines. Some screens gave us the whole fleet, the massed teeming horror of it, like a river, like a flood, and others magnified so that each and every mechanical monstrosity could be seen. I had TARDIS captains in my ear. Sir, these are not the fleet we were targeting. Reading weapons discharge, no targets. They're just firing randomly, sir. Shots began to crackle over our shields, but the captains were right. It was sporadic and an afterthought. A hundred TARDISes flitting down upon them should have been the delight of their black little hearts, a chance to kill, to rage, to show that hard-wired gene-bred allegiance to emperor and hatred. Instead, they shook and scattered and emptied their weapons at the airless void. Renegade, I snapped, and it dawned on me that I already knew the answer to my question before I had asked it. What is this? Whose distress call are you answering? Traitor! Orlok snarled, and I heard a hundred other exhortations across the comms, though none of the ships pulled away from their advance. Discipline, something this old fool clearly lacked, something he had never possessed. Anger gripped me then, unbecoming of my command. Have you brought us here to save Daleks? How dare you! How dare you! Not Daleks, the renegade said those pained old eyes flashing up on my screen. Not them. See the ship beyond the station? I had not. The gates, that roiling pit of clashing realities, had hidden it from my scanners. The sheer interference from the waterfall of antimatter could hide a multitude of sins. Perhaps, I thought, that is why they chose here. There was a ship, although it slipped in and out of my sensor nets with every moment. A Dalek command saucer, huge and round and bedecked with bulges of arcane equipment I had never seen before. That was where the pure hatred of the Daleks became weakness. They were slow to innovate with anything except cruelty, because they believed their own civilization too pure. This ship was Dalek, but it was also something else. The renegade's voice was quiet. I came for him. Doctor, I dared not believe it. Had my comms not been connected to the renegades, we would not have heard it, oozing like oil from a ruined machine. The words were for him alone. Each syllable seemed a great effort, as though throat and lungs were drowning. And although I could not see the speaker, I recognised the voice. We all did. Davros, the renegade whispered. What have you done? And the station came apart. It was not mechanical, 
No gears or pulleys or hinges could move so smoothly. It was more like the bursting apart of a flock of birds, a huge and singular shape, now suddenly millions of fractured pieces, all swirling and swooping as if directed, like a black blizzard with a single mind. There was something of the jellyfish in its undulating, and something of the shoal, but before our eyes or senses could even begin to track it, Daleks began to die. Thousands of them. The blizzard split them. It peeled them. It disassembled them on a molecular scale. They shrieked as they fired. The horrific, horrified shriek of a Dalek denied the chance to kill, and then perished like sand before a tide. Pull back! I snarled. Pull back! But it was too late. The razor wind twisted in on itself and flurried around one of our forward scouts. The TARDIS's shields flung it back in an orb of blinding light, but that only drew more of the swarm like ants detecting prey. The shields pulsed again, weaker this time, and then abruptly cut out beneath the heaving weight of a million glittering shards. It was not the first time I had heard a TARDIS die, but that was the moment I learned that they could scream. Scatter! I roared, and the TARDISes flung themselves back and away as much with horror as from their training. Still that battered old Type 40 advanced, weaving its way through the jerking, squirming horde of Daleks that sought to somehow defeat the annihilating cloud. Davros! the renegade yelled. What is this? That lone saucer, that single ship, just hung there between the antimatter cascade and the voracious cloud. Daleks died, Tardises died, and that voice came again, wet with madness and glee. By triumph, my undoing, the Dalek Emperor promised me acceptance. He promised me a legion of my own, if I would, if I would... Now we were in it too, dipping and soaring through a chaos of Daleks and this abomination. Our screens were a turmoil of weapons discharge and dying ships, our sensors struggling to make sense of the thing. There were recognisable glints of Dalek tech, their nano-conversion swarms, their Dalekanium hulls, but it morphed and fluxed too fast for our scanners to read. It felt alive. It's a Dalek. Davros said dreamily, I made a new Dalek. Focus, you lunatic, the renegade said, desperation shivering through his voice. I came, I shouldn't have, but I did. I don't know if I came to help or to watch you die or to kill you myself, but I came. Now tell me what's happening. Frustration bled from his voice, as poisonous as the antimatter seething below. You've always done this, Davros. You've built a race that can only hate. You wired them so that anything undalic is impure. And then you've spent the last thousand years desperately trying to get them to love you. You idiots! You can try all you want, but they're not capable of revering anything but themselves. Yes, Doctor, the clotted voice purred. The lot of the renegade. Stop calling me that! 
Daleks screamed their insectile mechanical screams as particles cracked lenses and poured down eye stalks, splitting them open like wasps in fruit. But it's true, Doctor. You are my inspiration. The Emperor is fascinated by you. The Time Lord who reviles the Time Lords, yet goes to any length to save them. Loyal deeds without loyalty. You break all of their rules, and that gives you power. Oh, the renegade said, oh no. Oh yes, it pained me to do so, but I did it. There are Daleks who can think independently, but always, always they are wired to revere Dalek kind, to acknowledge our perfection, and in doing so, be unchanged. A Type 93 TARDIS died in torment, gnawed to its bones in a single instant. Its crew spun out into the void before they were devoured as well. So I built one that had no such strictures in place. Commander, the renegade said quietly. There was horror on his face. I had never seen horror on his face before. I want you to retune your communications to the Daleks' wavelength. Transmitting instructions now. Why? Just do it. Please. Exterminate. This is Dalek Khan. Lord Davros must retreat. The renegade will be destroyed. The renegade will be destroyed. And beneath their banal threats, their exhortations of violence, was a sound. A sound so low that it distorted the signal like something gargantuan breaking the surface of the sea. A scream. An abysmal, abysmal scream. It is aware, Davros said with terrible pride. It is wired with all the beautiful hatred of my children, but with no reverence towards its own form. It is entirely aware of the flaws of its race, so that it may evolve and improve them. It's killing them, the renegade countered. That's what it's doing. I crafted it a body, Davros said, a perfect Dalek body, which it rejected with horror and scorn. And then it got into our systems, devouring those of use and discarding those with none. We have been hunting it for weeks, and now I have driven it to ground. The lull in the war. Dalekanium in its body. The nano-swarms. Those Daleks in the Scavaline system had not been killed. They'd been eaten. It needs food, Davros whispered. It's a growing boy. And that's why you brought me here the renegade said between clenched teeth. You can't control it, so you need me to stop it, or save it. It's your child. You made it. You want me to... Oh, no, Doctor, Davros cackled. I just came here to make you watch. And the saucer began to move, slowly at first, then faster and faster, that arcane equipment unfolding wide. Crackling lines of energy began to dance round its edges, 
then out from it like a feste sparkler, then the legs of some electric spider ten miles across. Daleks whirled and died and lashed out at the cloud of nanoparticles devouring them, and TARDISes died too as they fled. And I hung there, my own crew shouting in my ears, demanding orders, weeping at the slain, and I suddenly realised that this is what it must be like to not be a Time Lord. This is what it must be like to be a lower race, like children, helpless and ignored before beings far beyond them. This is what it is like to be ground between the hatred of the great. Sir! Orlok was shouting. Sir, what do we do? Davros's command ship was a blur now, and the abomination sent glittering tendrils out to escape, to feed, to multiply, but jags and strikes of lightning from the ship stung it back. He was herding it. He was pushing it back, the way a trainer would a lynx. Davros! the renegade cried. Don't do this! I do it with pleasure, Doctor. Left alive, it will eat all my children. My true children, it will never stop. I tried to contain it, but it outpaces me at every turn. It is rather like fighting you, Doctor. It made me nostalgic for your company. My strike force, what remained of it, was making for deep space, abandoning this hellish system and the monstrosities at its core. Davros's ship was fending off the wretched creature, spinning a crackling wall of light thousands of kilometres across, but I could see it bending and breaking in places as this nightmare thing pushed through. It would not be stopped. It would grow and dissect and feed on the whole universe before it was done. Its hate, relentless. Its victory, assured. And not even that would bring it peace. Then why bring me here? The doctor was pleading now, actually pleading with the wretched being who had doomed the universe to a war unending and now signed its death warrant outright. His TARDIS bobbed and weaved between the dancing lights, but could get no closer without being consumed. What is that old earth legend? The blurring, spinning ship lurched into motion, and suddenly I realised what Davros's plan was. Why the station and this thing had been brought into existence at the gates of Elysium, above a roiling vortex of the most destructive substance in creation, a substance that would unmake anything it touched. Two wise men and the birth of a child? That was always your problem, Davros, the renegade whispered. You're just not as smart as you think you are. It's three wise men, and you are a fool if you think I'm going to stand and watch you die. I will not let it go free, Doctor. What kind of being would let their people die? Drop your shields. I can bypass the cloud. Materialize aboard. No. He needed saving. I could see it, as plain as day. Davros's ship had ground to a halt as the abomination, the child, pushed back, a hurricane of hunger with a waterfall of unmaking at its back. As the renegade howled at his mortal foe, and the cackling scientist prepared to sacrifice his life for the children that would never care, I reached down to the controls 
and committed my own atrocity. This would not stop. Renegades won wars when rules and law had died, and Davros was in his way a renegade too. The Daleks had come to him before, and would come to him again, hating him, but never themselves, and sooner or later he would create something that would rival a Time Lord themselves. Again. It's three wise men. I activated my TARDIS's tractor beams and held the Doctor in place. What are you doing? Goodbye, Doctor. He sounded calm now. Cool, logical, a shade of the leader he had been. My nightmare is over. I fear yours is just beginning. Screams from the Daleks, roars from the cascade, the crackle and seethe of tearing space, and then Davros, madman, inventor, genius, flew into the jaws of oblivion, taking his nightmare child with him. You had no right. I had every right. My voice was steady. Why wouldn't it be? I had seventy-five battle tardises at my back, and he a decrepit old Type 40 that even now struggled against the void. We hung in the black space above where the gates of Elysium had once stood. The antimatter cascade, that thunderous outpouring of poisonous light, had closed as if something had caught in its throat. I had visions of the creature within trying to claw its way out, and hoped that the constant unmaking field of the rift would hold it there forever. He could have... He was a man, Commander. The renegade's face was pale on my screen. There could have been tears on his cheeks. In a face that lined and scarred, it was hard to tell. He was intelligent. He could have been... What? I countered calmly. I could feel my crew's eyes on me and the surviving captains listening to my every word. Saved? Redeemed? Tell that to the billion billion other Daleks out there who tolerated him as a useful weapon when the time was right. And look at what that weapon nearly did. He sacrificed himself, the old man said. He gave his life rather than see his people destroyed. After creating the means of their destruction, I said, I made my choice, as we all must do in times of war. My voice did not shake. I took great pains to make it so. I will not forget it, the renegade said coldly, and his TARDIS slipped away, a blue flash against time. It would not be the last time we saw each other. There was the fall of Arcadia and the Helion blaze, and that last day, that most awful day, when I stood a general as Gallifrey began to fall. I never forgot the joy in Davros's voice as he saved his people. What kind of being would let their people die? As I say, it was the first year of the Time War. We were not to know what would come. 